listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All of Scripture points to Christ, which means Christmas is all throughout, from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, we're beginning the uh, celebration of that. Traditionally, we call it the Advent season. Advent just means coming. And we talk about two comings kind of intertwined. One is the coming the first time of Jesus, and then the promise tied to that that he's going to come again. But the story of Christmas, the story of Advent, doesn't start with a baby in the manger or even the angels coming. The entire Bible anticipates and tells of a Messiah, a king, something that God's people were always longing for, something that God would send to rescue us. In other words, you can find whispers and echoes of the Christmas story in any book of the Bible. And we're going to look at that this uh, season. So this is why we're starting today to kick it off, uh, this Christmas season, this Advent season, in the book of Genesis. And you can see our passage for the day. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, look at uh, Genesis 3, uh, 15. If you do not have your Bible, uh, as always, for your convenience, it's printed in the order of worship. And it's only one passage that we're going to read today. We're going to talk about today the first mention of Christmas. Let's look at our passage for the day. This is God talking to actually the devil. And he says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, uh, give us wisdom today. Give us insight to your uh, scripture. Help us to further understand what it means that every part of the Bible points to your son. May we see a bigger glimpse of that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the biggest questions that always comes up, one of the biggest questions in life is what's wrong with the world? Many times this comes up in different ways. In, in theology, it's called the problem of evil. Uh, you know, it raises the question of how, why, why would God allow evil and suffering to exist in the world if he's an all-good God, an all-powerful God? Sometimes it comes up as a philosophical question. Like after 9-11 when it says, um, why would God allow tragedies to happen in our world? Sometimes it's not even a, a theology or a philosophical question. It's a personal question of why is God allowing bad things and suffering to happen to me? See, that's exactly what it's like in every area of our lives. And we know the idea that we live with. Uh, there's one thing for tragedy, but the other thing is that we have these views of reality that just don't materialize in the way we think they do. Um, young couples fall madly in love with each other, and then they soon discover their ideal, based on the reality of their marriage, doesn't quite picture what it was on their wedding day. Or, or a couple has a child, and they discover in a few years how big of a sinner that child is when he learns to say, no. Or the first time that they come across the terrible twos. Or even worse, as the time goes on and the child discovers 
that their parents are not perfect either and are not as good as they thought they were. And the older they have regrets, we have regrets like this, and so is life. So in every area of life, we expect things to turn out a certain way. This is, happens in Christmas all the time. Uh, when, we, when we think about this, we have the idealistic views of what Christmas should be with our family and the perfect um, the situation, the perfect moments. Uh, we see all the Hallmark movies that everything turns out beautiful and perfect in some way. And then we see what real reality comes about and what it says to us and blows us up in our face. And there's this idea that we would say, God, why is there such a disconnect? Especially during times when I'm trying my best and I feel like I'm being faithful to you, only to not see you in the way I want you to do, to come through with this. The bottom line is this. Life is full of discontent. Uh, disappointments and discontentment, both big, as we talked about, and both small. So today, what I want to talk about in our first little verse here on Advent is to be reminded why this is so in the first place. Because I want to tie Christmas, since it's the first week of Advent, I want it to start with the place of understanding why we have these problems in the first place. If you don't understand why we have the problems in the first place, or that we do have problems in the first place, you're never going to look at the solution, the answer, which is Jesus Christ, the way that you should in Advent. So let's look at this verse again. It's, it's kind of an odd verse. So right after Adam and Eve sinned, God says this to Satan. He said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now we already know that, um, and, and we'll talk about what the word enmity here in a minute because that's not a word we use very often uh, and what it means uh, about striking your head, striking your heel. There's a lot of odd stuff here. But according to Genesis, at the beginning of creation, Something went very wrong at the beginning of the world and had tragic consequences more than we could imagine. Sin entered the world and because of man and, and man's wrongdoing against God. We know that God said, there's one thing I don't want you to do and Adam and Eve, tempted by Satan, did it anyway. There's no reason to go back over that whole story. But at that point, the world became a broken place and it's no longer the place it should be after that. It's no longer the world that we long for or were made for after Adam and Eve sinned. I don't think Adam and Eve I don't even came close to imagining what they were unleashing when they committed that sin. When they ate from the tree that God told them not to, they intentionally disobeyed God. I think they knew that part. But they only knew evil abstractly up until that point, but not in their hearts. Their act of defiance and rebellion changed everything, and it changed their relationship with God. And then they begin to experience evil in a relational level, a personal level. See, they were meant to govern God's earth on His behalf. Instead, they rebelled against God, and instead obeyed one of His creatures, the devil, in the form of a serpent at that time. And at that point, they went beyond disobedience. It was treachery. See, it changed their relationships. Up until this time, they were in harmony with God. They were in harmony with one another. But they did the opposite of what God told them to do to keep that harmony and that, cultivate that. And then they began to blame shift, blaming each other, probably in their hearts wanting to blame God. Why did you let us uh, be tempted this way? It changed their relationship with evil. 
You can know about evil, but it's another thing to experience. And that's what they have here. For the first time they tasted it, not just the fruit, but they tasted guilt and they tasted shame. And they realized that everything that they had enjoyed had been lost. But it even gets worse than that. We know that part, and people talk about this, but this is the part I want you to understand more than anything else. See, what they did not only affected their relationship with one another in relationship with God, they affected the entire world. Up until this point, the world was what the Bible calls in a state of shalom. Harmony. Beautiful. Shalom is a Hebrew word that means absolute wholeness. Full, harmonious, joyful, flourishing life. Everything that was God designed for humanity in the world. But when Adam and Eve sinned, shalom of the world was destroyed. One theologian said that the sin uh, that they had was the vandalism of shalom. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they did more than slip up. Their sin changed everything. The whole world changed interesting. And, and, and the word here that we had enmity here, we don't talk about that. We, we never use that word. Have y'all ever used the word enmity in your life and talking about it? We, we, don't, we never use it. It's even rare in the Bible if you look it up. You can't find it all throughout the Bible. It's really a very rare occasion here. But you know what it means? When it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, it means hostility. It means an act of aggression. Like aggression that almost leads to a declaration of war. Look at our quote for the day. Uh, Tim Keller uh, has this quote from Reason of God. And I was thinking about it this week. It's a great quote. It's at the beginning of the order of worship. He puts it this way. We are told that as soon as we abandon, we are determined to serve ourselves instead of God. Not just Adam and Eve, but us. As soon as we abandon living for and enjoy God as our highest good, the entire world became broken. Human beings were so integral to the fabric of the things that God created that when they turned from God, the entire world unraveled. Disease, genetic disorders, famine, natural disasters, aging, death itself are so much the result of sin as oppression, war, crime, violence. See, we have lost God's shalom physically, spiritually, socially, psychologically, culturally. Things now fall apart. And you're thinking, James, this does not sound like a Christmas sermon. <laughs> the story today sounds like a tragedy. And it was, but it's not anymore. It doesn't end up like that. The main point today is the very mention of Christmas as the idea that God would send somebody into the world to wage war against the people that had destroyed Shalom and the person that, uh, that was incarnated of evil against it. The very mention of it shows up only three chapters into the Bible. Right after the world falls apart, God doesn't wait till the end. He doesn't wait till Revelation. God explains the consequence of what happened, and He wants them to understand the fullness of that, just like He wants us to. But He also offers hope. The verse says that the serpent would be defeated. Their head, his head would be crushed by a future descendant of Eve, and that descendant would crush the head of the serpent, but not before the serpent struck his heel 
And we know, we understand what that is. God on the cross. Jesus on the cross. But the victory would go to a descendant of Eve in the future because being crushed in his head is far more serious, as you know, than being bitten by a heel. See, this verse that we're looking at today is called the first announcement of the gospel. That's what people call it uh, in biblical circles. It's the good news of God. It's the announcement that even though the serpent had succeeded in causing Adam and Eve to destroy Shalom, that the serpent would one day be defeated by the descendant of Eve. And that's what gives us hope that the world won't always be this way. I don't know what struggles you're going through right now. I don't know what the depth of it. It's not always going to be that way. That's the hope of Christmas. And God told us this from the beginning. He didn't say it was going to be easy. He said it's going to look ugly. He said evil is going to continue to wage war against what he's doing in the world. But he's going to wage war back. And one is only going to be bruised on their heel. The other will be bruised in their head. This is something you're not going to see in a Christmas card, right? You're ever going to see a Christmas card that says, The reason that the Son of God came into our world during Christmas is to destroy the work of the devil. You don't see that. Right? We love the idea of the nice baby in the manger that gives us hope, but we've got to understand the implications of what really happened. That when we <coughs> sent Jesus into the world, he's waging war against everything that we hate about the world. Injustice, evil, and all of those things. So what does that mean for us? First of all, I hope here at the end, it makes you want to, it makes you long for Jesus. If you think that the birth of a baby, of a baby Jesus is just some nice story from long, long ago, then you really don't know who Jesus is. Jesus came to set things right. He came to restore the world to what it's going to be again. He came to wage war against everything that's wrong with the world, and I hope this makes you long for him. I hope this makes you want to worship him. I hope it compels you to surrender your life to Him. I also hope that you see that Jesus came to do more than just what a lot of people talk about on a spiritual level. He did come to save us spiritually. There's no doubt about it, but that's only a part of it. He did come to rescue us from separation with God and to bear our sins that we can be forgiven. But here's the last thing I want to make sure you understand. That's not all Jesus came to do. He came to set everything back to the way it should be. When you're, when you're looking at the world and everything in the world, whether it's starving people or you see people addicted or you see people uh, or your own life is falling around you, it's got to be a reminder that Jesus came for those things just as much to save your soul. The physical and emotional mental disappointments that you have experienced any time in your life, Jesus came to make those right. The promise of Jesus is a Savior who did and will come to crush the head of evil and bring reconciliation with God and you. And God promises Jesus. He promises Shalom and He promises Christmas. Let's pray. Like I thank you uh, that we are not living in an unfulfilled story where we're just crossing our fingers and hoping that one day all things will turn out. You have a plan. Your kingdom is here and it's at work. Give us eyes to see. Give us, help us not to walk. Uh, help us to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us to be reminded that you sent your son to undo 
the evil and the fabric of the world. And, that Jesus didn't just come to uh, lay down the cross and just give an example to us. He defeated evil. And the ramifications of that are all around us if we would just look with faith, hope, and love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.